How are we doing guys and welcome to the I'll Try That podcast. Uh, this week we are trying Corona, not the disease, definitely the beer. Um, nice, and... topical, topical. <laughs> nice, I like it. Um, but first, the hot topic. Are you boys ready for this? Yeah, ready for this? I like it. So this week we have a letter from one of our listeners which is always nice to hear from you guys. Uh, we've been, um, as we seem to grow, we have been getting receiving more comments and stuff like that and more questions being thrown away. So we like to try and get them involved as much as possible. But this is from uh, Elizabeth Hartman Doe. Is that right? I think I got that. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that is a name. <laughs> there we go. That's a name of somebody who's written into us. We're nailing it. So it's now. I will. I will say that that rings, like Liz has written in before to the podcast. So she was. You might have remembered her from you know one of our earlier episodes where she came in with a, a correction or a, a question, I suppose, of you know the different statements of ABVs to proofing. Ah. So that's probably where you might recognise her from before. It's really nice to meet our um, our only fan. It's good. Um, so. yeah, thanks, Liz. Yeah. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> so um, the email reads, Hello again, lads. Cheers for keeping up um, the podcast in such high spirits, even throughout lockdown. It's been fun listening to you all slowly but surely lose the grips on sanity in real time. LOL. That's laugh out loud, just, uh, just in case you guys didn't know. Uh, listening to your Easter episode that included tasting a Kolsch-style beer made me remember... How I believe one is meant to enjoy a Kolsch poured into a tiny specific glass so you drink it at a specific temperature. This got me wondering if there's a scale of temperature at which various beers are meant to be consumed. What's the coldest beer and what's the warmest beer? Thanks for all you guys do. Best, Liz. Oh, wow, Liz, thanks so much for, your, for the question. Um, we, we, we know what we're talking about here, guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I just, yeah. We didn't have to have any like research, or I mean, I didn't call up a brewery and ask them the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they they told you to stop calling as well. Like. <laughs> you can't ask us about everything, but, Joe. Liz, honestly, we, we couldn't thank you enough for the question. And yes, uh, just we didn't know off the top of our heads, but we went and found out the answer. And Barbara, I think you've got a bit of an answer for us. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, at the same time, I'd also like to say, Liz, apologies if you wrote in the question hoping for Simo and you got me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> we'll answer it as best as best we can. Um, so there is a, a general spectrum for all beers, which is uh, 38 degrees Fahrenheit to uh, 55 degrees Fahrenheit. I should say we are leaning a little bit on on the suggestions of we have looked at a few sources for this, but we're also um, taking this uh, uh, on the suggestion of the Home Home Brewers Association of America. So thank you, gents, for all the, the work that you do also. But um, so 38 degrees to uh, 55 degrees Fahrenheit is the general window uh, under which all beers should be drunk. 38 now, Fahrenheit. What is, what is 38 Fahrenheit, 55 Fahrenheit? What's that in Celsius for Ex- all us? Uh, excellent question, Joseph. So, out there. Um, yeah, so uh, 38 Fahrenheit is just over 3 degrees Celsius, and 55, 55 Fahrenheit is um, nearly 13 Celsius. So that is quite a window of, that- of, of range of. of- Degrees of temperature right there. In, indeed. Well, there's quite a range of beers, Joe, so we need to be sensitive to all of them after all. Um, when you bear in mind... It's almost like we had a chat about this before we called. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, wait a minute. You've gone off script. I can't deal with this. I know. <laughs> um, 
when you consider that most commercial, I actually knew this as well. This wasn't scripted. We most most commercial refrigeration units are four or five degrees Celsius, uh, at least here in the UK. Um, uh, then they should be okay to to um, well, essentially these beers that should be at, at this temperature are typically your lighter lagers. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples. Your Molston cores. Um, the, the guys we, you've done Camden Hells in the past. So it's the, the, the lighter, uh, lagers that would be at that temperature. Um, when you move slightly higher for, for cream and, and, and blonde ales, um, a, a new term on me is the nitro stouts. That's about 40 to 45 uh, Fahrenheit. So we're approaching more about five degrees Celsius there. Um, and then gradually moving up your, your Belgian pale ales, then your wheat beers a little bit warmer still. Dark lagers, 45, 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, there, there seems to be a general rule that the darker you go, the warmer you should be. So at those higher temperatures, which are 55 Fahrenheit, Nearly thirteen per thirteen Celsius. Stouts and la- stouts and porters a little bit warmer, and then finally your real and cask ales barely need to be in the the refrigerator for for more than about ten minutes before you drink, so they can be a bit more like twelve degrees. Um, I'm just laughing at Rich laughing. He's in hysterics <laughs> right now for some reason. I don't know what's happened on his end, but he's really fascinated and enjoying with us. <laughs> well. It's interesting you say, because you said at the start, so this range is very fascinating. Thank you very much for going into all that level and doing the research for on that bit there, Barbs. Um, that wasn't, even, that wasn't facetious. No, I actually quite enjoyed that. Um, and as you said, that was quite like a, you know, the, I guess if I can just very quickly summarize, lagers are served colder than ales, stronger beers are served warmer than weak beers, dark beers are served warmer than lighter beers. There you go. Right. So what I was found quite interesting though, well, if you want to be brief about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the part we might use on that's the what teaser. I've always liked about you, Joe. That's, Joe, that's what I've always liked about you. You're concise. <laughs> Wonderfully concise. So, Packs a lot into a small package. So what I'd say there... Um, you did say, though, that, you know, obviously the range there is from like, you know, just over three degrees through to centigrade through to about 13 degrees centigrade. It's a 10, 10 centigrade uh, difference. It's quite a lot. But you also said that like a, a refrigerator, the average refrigerator is up to five degrees centigrade or something. What do you do if you, have a tw- if you need to have a 12 degree one? Do you need special 12 degree going refrigerators that can house these beers at that right temperature? So there are, I think, certain people in uh, out there have got. Um, thing is, it's one that overlaps quite nicely with your wines. There are people with uh, out there, or you can get them for your kitchen. Specific um, wine chiller cabinets, which are like a refrigerator, and often you have different shelves that you can calibrate to certain temperatures. So, um, so it's, it's it's like some red red wines shouldn't be cold, but they should be lower than room temperature. So uh, there are chillers out there that will do it for you. I'm just, I'm just going to throw this question out to you guys. So we have hot mulled cider in the world. It's very popular. It's very, very tasty. Would you guys have a hot beer? Um, I'd, I'd let someone else drink it first and then try it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great, a great question because you usually would have like usually when beers go warm, that's when they're not they've been out too long and it's you know you've maybe had them open containers. 
and they're not, you know, you do want to have a cold beer. You know, that's the whole thing. That Foster's whole tagline is, well, you wouldn't want a warm beer, would you? You know, in that Australian great accent that I can do. Um, <laughs> that was uncanny. So, I, I yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I, but then in saying that, most people would say that a traditional English ale is a warm beer because it's pulled out of the taps at like a room temperature. Absolutely, that's the one that's at the top end of the spectrum that it should be nearer nearer 13 degrees, which I suppose 13 degrees isn't isn't cold, but it's not hot either. But I'm talking like cup of tea hot. (laughs) (laughs) Put the kettle on, Margaret. I'd like a beer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I would just have to say, I, I, I like the idea of where your brain's going there. Have you got an active example of a tea level hotness? Because my only, my only concern is obviously if you start raising the temperatures of those temperatures where you're at boiling points, you're starting to go into the fermentation or you're starting to change the consistency or the, the, the structure, the chemical structure of the beer. Because obviously boiling is that's what you do in the fermentation, you know, in the brewing process as you boil the beer. So you're probably going to change the beer as intended if you boil it. Well, change is always good, isn't it? No, if you're no, because if you're talking about boiling, you're getting rid of the alcohol. Like, you're, if you boil off, you boil off the out, and you're left with more and more like alcohol. So you know, like beer and you know wine, whiskey could always be based on the same process. But whiskey and co just goes through a lot longer boiling for more boiling, and then you get more and more and more alcohol come out the end of it. I think. I think. I think I know what's happened here. So again, for the uh, listeners uh, across the pond in the US, basically in the UK, we do have a beer called Tetley's. There is also also a manufacturer of tea bags called Tetley's. So I think there might have been an incident involving uh, Drabbers and a cup of tea and a pint of Tetley's and, and thinking one was the other. Am I, do, am I doing you an injustice there, Rich? No, yeah, tea, yeah. yeah it, it went really downhill for me. When, yeah. when, I had, when I had my morning Tetley's, then went to work. It was... <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have milk and two sugars in my pint of smooth butter, please. <laughs> As long as you didn't have a pint of t- PG tips, that's, that's cool. <laughs> that was good, that was good. So, Joe, uh, what, what are we drinking this week? Oh, as Travis said, we're not catching anything, but we're picking up the Corona, and I must say, extras. They are making a real point right now with their, their marketing to differentiate themselves as much as they can from this global pandemic, the virus that started it all. And, you know, Corona as a name has been around for a lot longer than we know of this Corona VD, you know, COVID-19, that kind of stuff. But Corona Extra. I did hear... You might know of. I did hear that at the, at the start of all this, that they did actually see a tangible uh, fall in sales um, shortly after the, the announcement of this or, or, or sort of the uncovering of the illness um, that people actively stopped buying the beer, presumably on the ba- this is this is correlation, not causation, but uh, there was a fall in sales of the beer, presumably because they thought people thought thought there was a link between the beer. And no, the you're absolutely spot on. I heard exactly the same thing, and there's some stats that prove it. That people literally were like, "Oh no, it's got Corona in the title. I won't have it." Um, so you know, unfortunately, this beer giant, so we can call it a beer giant, it's owned by AB and Bev. Uh, you know, this Mexican styled lager that's been around for, you know, a very, very long time, one of the most traditional, I would say, the quintessential in my mind of Mexican exported beers, lagers, is a Corona. It took a massive hit because of the coronavirus because people were like, whoa, 
I don't want it anymore. It's got Corona in the title. And that is and that that is a real shame because I think it's quite a nice beer in general. I think it's a real shame that it didn't get... It's funny, I've got a lot of uh, positive memories of it, but I happened to be on a, a, a social media website uh, not too long ago called... It, <laughs> I always pronounce it wrong. Imager. The, on, on Imager yeah. I saw a lot of... I saw a lot of hate for for Corona Extra uh, out there. Uh, some people who uh, I I don't know these people um, sort of personally, but a lot of them who um, I think possibly would consider themselves beer drinkers, and, and I think they were US based. A lot of hate for Corona, thinking that it it, it doesn't taste of anything, and um, you know it, it, that it that it's water in it. It's almost not a beer. Um, which I mean, with all of these beers, you know, everything has its its time and its place. I've got a sort of lots of positive memories of it. My first experience of it was being charged too much for it in a nightclub, um, <laughs> <laughs> particularly a beautiful sunny day, and when the temperatures are really high, um, there is it definitely does something for me seeing that condensation down the side of the glass. But um, yeah, I was really surprised to see that that there is a bit of hate out there for for Corona Extra. Well, I I think is we've we've tapped into this before this level of hate that goes around with you know what people would consider as non beers or the or the more macro beers right you know you think about the Budweisers you think about the Bud Lights you think about the uh, you know the Coronas these are all thrown into this like they're not real beers kind of category again these are all AB and Bev beers you know I don't think that says anything about AB and Bev's ability to make beer um, I just think that AB and Bev are the quintessential of the largest brewer in the world. They make things en masse. And again, as we've said in this podcast, the, there is so much skill involved to make a consistent taste of anything on that scale. And I just think Corona, no matter where in the world you pick it up, it's always going to taste the same consistency. You know, it's going to be, it's a Mexican lager. It's going to be light. It's not going to be this full of flavor. It's not going to be this hoppy, you know, overly crafted. You know, it's not going to be in that realm. You pick up a Corona because it's fantastic cold. It's fantastic on the sun. They owned the beach for the last however many years before Corona because that was their whole ad campaign was, you know, take Corona to the beach. We are about the beach. And their, all their marketing was phenomenal about that kind of like the beach where they owned that beach occasion. And for most of the world, we don't really get that too much here in the UK because our beaches, you know, we get maybe about three or four days of a year where we can enjoy a beach day. <laughs> you know, whereas the rest of the world, in most parts of the world, you get the beach days for, you know, lasting a lot longer. And that was phenomenal. That was destructive to so yeah. many of these other beers that are in this category of like the light styled, very easy, to, easy, easy palatable. You know, most people can pick one up because it's available. You know, Corona dominated that market for a long time. Well, I'm just going to say what the, the reason I really, really enjoy Corona is like, Joe, all, all, all the things you said about the summer marketing, about that you enjoy it on a beach and that you really, really enjoy it. But the reason I really enjoy it, as you guys probably, probably aware, I'm a big fan of the Fast and Furious film series. I think they're generally possibly the greatest film series ever. And as my all time. So you must be very hyped for number nine that's coming out, right? You generally don't know how excited I am. I loved Hobbs and Shaw. It was a great film, but. <laughs> Vin Diesel, that man loves a Corona. He's always like, get, get, get me a Corona. So uh, that was an awful accent, but he drinks Coronas all the way through the no, series. You, you transported me. I was there with you. you I there? was there with you for that. that was, and I'm yeah. like, you know what? When I see Corona and I drink a Corona, my, my inner Vin Diesel starts to kind of like channel in sort of thing. I just want to go and drag race cars and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and that's why, and that's why I'm just, but. 
You very much shouldn't be drag racing no. cars after you've had Coronas. No, no, no. As we always see, Vin Diesel never drinks a Corona then goes driving. It's always after he's won the drag race. Yeah, look, it's even got a car with an, a, a line through it to say no on the Corona bottle. No, no. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe Vin drinks these. There's also a little sign above the car, which I think is trying to say, don't get anyone pregnant at the same time. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> that's a very bad joke. That's a very... <laughs> I've just, I've just seen, I've just seen such a shake of the head for, from Joe for saying that. I think Corona <laughs> might have asked uh, Vin Diesel very nicely to say that he likes that beer as well. Yeah, I'm but not... I was going to ask, do you think this is a, a Vin Diesel sponsorship or a Fast and Furious sponsorship? And partnership oh, no. with, with I just uh, genuinely think Vin Diesel loves Corona. That's it. He's like, he writes it. <laughs> he writes it into his contract. He's like, guys, we're only allowed to drink Corona on set. <laughs> Who are you doing an impression of? I'm Vin Diesel. Diesel. <laughs> it's Bruce Forsyth. No, that was a pretty good Vin Diesel impression, to I, be fair. I, I do love a nice bottle of Corona. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's been chilled to four degrees. Do we think it should be higher or lower? <laughs> Sorry, uh, how do you explain so, who Bruce Forsyth is to our, our, our listeners uh, across the Atlantic? I just think um, a, po- a popular, very national focused TV host. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah co- very a game old. show host. Who is, a national who treasure, we could old. say. A national treasure. He's yes. almost got there. To that national yeah. treasure status, but okay. So, how do you guys enjoy your Coronas? How are you? How are you currently in tasting your Corona? And how do you usually get them when you're served them at a bar? Wait a minute, citrus fruits, a little lime wedge in the in the neck, right? Now, is it lime or is it lemon? What's your what is it? Lime. Most fruit. Most frequently occurring, lime. I've I've seen lime, and actually the bit that I've seen people disagree on is whether you should prod the lime really into the neck of the bottle and almost drink the beer like it's filtered through it. Uh, and there's other people who I'm sure have made the argument that actually it's just to almost line the neck of the bottle with a bit of lime juice to, to keep flies away. Um, I, I'm not saying I am of the thought, and maybe that you could say me I'm a heathen in this corona tasting. When I get my lime wedge, I like to thumb it and it goes drops it all the way into the liquid. I like it to be sat in the liquid for as long as possible because I quite enjoy that kind of citrusy, the lime citrus mixed with the with the Corona more so than if it was just around the rim or just like stuck in the in the in the neck. I've got some, I've got some a bit a bit, a bit of information. I suppose some facts about the lime going into a Corona. If you if you guys would like to hear it, oh please. So, oh, I'm all ears. You're all ears. So Corona never take us advised. to Fact Town, Drabbers. Yeah. <laughs> So Corona never advised to drink their beer with a lime or anything like that. And nobody really knows where putting the lime came from. Some people say it was just a bartender putting it in, trying to make their signature stamp on it sort of thing. So it's never it's never been anything that's been suggested. It's just someone tried it once and it's just carried like on it. from there. Imagine being the bartender who first put a lime in a Corona and now you see oh. everyone do it all the time. God, y- You'd feel like the Scottish chef that created the tikka masala by putting yogurt in a curry. Uh, <laughs> it must be he. He man. must try and tell people that he did that, and no one yeah. believes him as well. No, you it? wouldn't believe. I was the first person that popularised putting <laughs> yeah. limes into Corona. No, what are you no, talking about? Town, it's no, always been the case. Get out of here! Right, I've got another fun fact about Corona that you might not know, uh, guys. What do you think that Corona means in Spanish? Um. 
I think it might mean like circle. Okay. I don't speak any Spanish. So I'm sorry. Explain your thinking. I'd like to I'd like to know what you're thinking. I don't know. I'm sure I've heard a context in the past where it says where I, I saw Corona and the thing I was looking at was a circle. <laughs> it takes a little bit more explanation than that, but I think Corona is a circle. Okay. Travis, any thought? Um, I'm going to go for, I'm just looking at the bottle and I'm going to go for Griffin because there's some weird Griffin looking creatures <coughs> on the bottle. Wait a minute. Tell, okay. wait a tell minute. me I'm wrong. I think I've, don't say it, Don't say it. No. No, Joe, Joe, the one I'm going to say definitely isn't true. Okay. Isn't it someone who uh, takes a a dead body and finds out how that person has come to die? Oh. I mean, a coroner. That's what That's what <laughs> he was waiting for. This goes so goodly bad. I did that one out. <laughs> Hello, I am the coroner. <laughs> come to find out why you have died. <laughs> Okay, right. Let me let me finish this bit. Let me finish this bit. Let me do this. Joe, tell us what what does Corona mean in Spanish? So Corona, there were good answers, but Corona actually means crown in Spanish. Oh, crown! Really? But in Spain. Means crown. crown. Yes, but in Spain it's known as Coronita or Little Crown, as there's actually already a brand that's called Coronaz uh, that's been in the country since 1907. So it's kind of that, you know, uh, Budweiser and, you know, Budweiser's known as Bud in the UK because there's already a Czech beer called Budweiser. Um, so Budvar, something like that. But according to the Oxford Company to be- Companion to Beer, the distinctive crown logo from which Corona takes its name is based on the crown that adorns the Cathedral of Lady of Guadalupe in the town of Puerta Valhalla. Wow, your Spanish is amazing. Nailed it. Nailed it. Trampers, you, 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 yeah. you, you had a one in two <laughs> chance of, of you, you went for the Griffin... It was actually the crown that was on the label. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you just said crown. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. You know what? I'm really enjoying all these corona facts. Can I throw another corona fact at you? There's so many. I feel we could do corona facts for a while. I've got a couple more up my sleeve. Yeah. Okay, I've got one. So there was corona. It always hasn't been smooth sailing for them, as there was a rumour spread about corona by another by another brewing company. Okay. So... Heineken, in, let me just get the date up here, in the 1980s, spread a rumour that um, Corona tasted like wee. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple it's a simple lie, but it also could be true. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying yeah. before, Barbs, about people slagging, uh, you know, like yeah. not saying nice things about Corona, I think that's something that could light the, fi- light the fire. That, that, that falsehood... Uh, if you view it to be a falsehood, has is still perpetuated even to this day. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, I've got another quote. Uh, another another quick fact for you. How many countries do you think Corona is sold in worldwide? Um. So is that there's there's something like 240 countries, isn't there? Or have I got that wrong? Yeah. Something uh, maybe I don't, actually on, good facts checker. Can you check how many countries there are in the world? So, we, we sovereign states, as, as they're often known. Right. How many countries are in the world? Yeah, do that. Oh, I'm looking at that too. 195. Well, it's fine. We have an, an official facts checker 
as part of the I'll try that team. I've just I've just seen that there are 195 countries. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna guess I am gonna guess that Corona is either gonna be really high or really low, and I don't think it's gonna be really low. So I'm gonna say that. Well, it could be in the middle. I don't know. I'm going to say that Corona is sold in 140 countries. Okay, 140. Travis, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm going to go in eight. Eight countries. <laughs> you think one of I'm, the largest beers in the world in between is the two. just sold in eight countries? <laughs> yep, just throwing it out there. So, I mean, I will add another. Before I give you the answer, I'm going to let you know that Corona is one of the best-selling beers in the world and the biggest-selling in beer, uh, you know, beer imported to the US. So the US might be one of those eight. Then, if you're, is that what you're saying? <laughs> right, okay, yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. It's only one country, though. That's <laughs> yeah, true. So Corona is sold in 120 countries. So Barber is oh, very close, off. actually. I'll give you that. 20 countries mix. Yes. You know, I'll give you that one. So close, Drabbers. Eight. Oh, so close, only, yet you, so far. You were only 112 off. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I'm really, really sorry to go back to the Fast and Furious, but I've just done a little <laughs> bit more research on it. Go. And it's not the official sponsor of Fast and Furious. It's just in there. Vin Diesel is working his magic. I reckon it goes back to that Vin narrative. Vin Diesel is working his magic. Yeah. I'm really sorry to bring back to it, but... <laughs> Corona didn't give the Fast and Furious films any money. No, no. They, oh, okay. Vin Diesel just loves it that much. What a guy. You'd have thought that maybe his love for Corona might have tempted him to make a good film, but no, apparently not. I, I have a fact, Drabs, that links you back to your, uh, your griffin, because you are so spot on that these are actual griffins on the label. Like your your uncanny ability to know that what these animals are, not even that they're an animal, these mythical creatures are. So the griffin is apparently there to protect the beer. From who? But yeah, protect the beer from what? Vin Diesel. <laughs> Vin Diesel. <laughs> Big mean Vin Diesel who's come to drink all the beer. <laughs> Actually, I did hear. I did hear that Vin Diesel is a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm sure he'd get quite a few griffins in the Dungeons and Dragons scene. I'm sure. I'm sure it's coming in the Fast and Furious film. They're running out of ideas, and virtual D and D and virtual D and D is taking off. Like, there's so much more uh, more talk about D- Dungeons and Dragons now. I'm, I'm ever seen. In two episodes, in two episodes, we've talked about my two most hated film franchises: Harry Potter and. and uh, the Fast well, I can't wait for the next episode because we're definitely going to talk about your third worst. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Join us next week because we'll be talking about bloody Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awkward. Sorry. I actually did have a, a you know a vampire infused beer that we had for the next episode. <gasps> Teaser. Oh, what a vampire infused? Are there vampires in it? Is it? <laughs> Joe jo, jo just squeezed a vampire. <laughs> Damn it, it would have been funnier if I'd have said something like a garlic-infused beer, but that would have been gross, actually. (laughs) I can't help but feel we're getting slightly off task. Yeah, that's fair enough. Grupo Modelo, the brewery that makes Corona Extra, was founded in 1925 in Mexico City. The first Corona Extra was brewed in 1927, and in 1933, the brewery started selling Corona Extra to the US. So this is a company that's been around for, well, almost 100 years now. But, you know, we know the Modelo group. This is Grupo Modelo. These are the people who own, you know, a load of different companies and, uh, you know, a load of breweries. And Corona happens to be obviously one of their best-selling beers. 
The fact that Corona comes under the AB and Bev, uh, you know, group is definitely through acquisitions and, you know, the fact that they're selling rights around the rest of the country, that around the rest of the world. That's probably why you're finding them in 120 different countries. You know, AB and Bev definitely have a, a part to play in, in exporting them around the world. But I think, you know, quintessentially, this is not, as I once thought, a Foster's of the Mexican world. This is through and through a Mexican-style beer, a Mexican lager that is still sold in Mexico to this day. So this isn't a, you know, like Foster's is Australian, but it's not Australian at all really anymore. It's not sold in Australia. This is still sold in the native country where it came from. And like, when we go back to it, I, I, the, as Barbara was saying earlier, it gets a lot of hate and all this sort of stuff. But I, I'm not too sure why, because it is a genuinely nice beer, I think. And it's easy to drink. It envisions nice areas and nice beaches that I've drunk it on. It brings back happy memories to me, sort of thing. And I think I, I'm there for it. I'm, I'm happy that it's still knocking about. And I'm happy that it does have such a wide market for it because I hope people can in, enjoy this beer. It is, it is nice. It is refreshing. And it is easy to drink. I think ultimately, um, you know, it, it does belong a little bit in, in, in the hot climates, but it's a real crowd pleaser. Uh, a lot of, no one's going to be disappointed, uh, apart from the, the, the little groups that we mentioned before. Uh, yeah, hot temperatures, having a gathering, a uh, Corona is, is, is going to go down fairly well. Owning that beach world. So giving you some stats and numbers here. So Corona, uh, extra, I should say, or Corona as they're known on, on Twitter, uh, is, is they've got 45,000 followers on Twitter, uh, at Corona. This is not to be confused with obviously the virus. And you have Corona on Instagram. I'm going to give you both a guess how many followers they have on Instagram. Well, eight countries, what, 10 people <laughs> per country. So 80, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, I'm going to I'm gonna go out there. I'm going to say three mil. Three mil, okay. I'm going to go 1.5 million. Okay, well, I thought it was more impressive, but you guys have just blown that out of the water. This is, uh, they've got 788,000 followers, but apparently they need, they need to be in the Should millions. Should we revise our guesses? <laughs> <laughs> Should we no, revise no, our guesses? You know, Corona, pull your finger out. You should be at the 1.5 or the 8 million, you know, the 3 millions. You need to be doing a lot better. Damn you, Corona. <laughs> Get your act together, Corona. <laughs> Jesus. You can't let Vin Diesel do all the work. <laughs> And that's all we have time for from this week's episode of the I'll Try That podcast. And so from me, Joe, Rich, and Simo, goodbye. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and watch us on YouTube. Goodbye now. Always drink responsibly. And if you or anyone else needs some help, go to drinkaware.co.uk for more information. Drink aware.